Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Elissa Branch, and this is Housing Word Daily. Today, you'll be listening to a Real Trends crossover episode that features an interview with three leaders from Florida, Margie Grant, CEO of Florida Realtors, Christina Pappas, President-elect of Florida Realtors and Vice President of the Kai's Company in Miami, and Joanna Watkins, Florida Realtors General Counsel. During the episode, they discuss the mismanagement of affordable housing trust funds in the state of Florida and the proposed constitutional amendment that hopes to solve this problem. But before we listen, here's a brief word from our sponsor. At Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group, we know your vision of success is unique to you. That's why your goals and our culture of support go hand in hand. We give you the tools and support you need to thrive and live your best life. Come home to Atlantic Bay. Visit JoinAtlanticBay.com to explore what's possible. Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group, NMLS number 72043, is an equal opportunity employer. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast. Today, we have an exclusive interview with three powerful female leaders from Florida. Margie Grant, CEO of Florida Realtors, Christina Pappas, President-elect of Florida Realtors and Vice President of the Kai's Company in Miami, and General Counsel of Florida Realtors, Joanna Watkins. Florida Realtors has been at the forefront of advocating for private property rights and promoting the real estate industry in Florida and around the nation. So welcome, Margie, Christina, and Joanna. Thank you. Thank you so much. We appreciate being here. Yeah. So I want to start with Margie, and I want to talk to you a little bit about Florida Realtors, because I know you surpassed California Realtors in membership, which is exciting. And the Florida market is booming. So tell me, what are some trends you're seeing when you talk to members? So we're seeing the same kind of trends that you're seeing nationwide. Specifically, we're seeing record low inventory that has led to a classic supply and demand issue. Prices are continuing to increase as buyers are willing to pay more to secure a property in a limited inventory environment. The membership has reacted to the pandemic in true realtor fashion. They show incredible tenacity and commitment to buyers and sellers to keep the transactions closing. What's wonderful for the association is the increased level of member engagement we are seeing. We have new alongside longtime members attending and engaging with us in ways they have not previously. We're seeing an increase in our calls to our legal hotline, in calls to our tech helpline, the number of folks using our wholly owned forms product Form Simplicity is incredible, historic numbers, and every other product tool and resource that the association provides, we're seeing engagement that we haven't seen. But the other thing we're seeing is attendance. When all of a sudden everybody had to go home and go online, and we all started to do this thing we now call Zoom, we watched members start to engage with us at a level of 10 times what we had seen before. The folks who registered for our 2020 convention were 10 times more than the 2019. Now, 
how that could have been because it was free. <laughs> but at the same time, it showed us that they were paying attention. So what we're hoping coming out of this pandemic is to capitalize on that engagement and make sure that they know that our commitment is to make them successful by the products, tools, and services that we offer. Okay, great. And I, I'm going to throw a question in here for Christina that isn't in here, but I know you're not going to have any problem answering. And I want to talk about your market specifically, because South Florida is just booming with uh, people relocating there. And I know our audience would be interested in getting your take on on who you're seeing moving and are they staying? It's very true. And we've been hearing here at the Real Trends Conference all about the different markets and how everybody's booming, but in particular, Florida and Southeast Florida. And we believe that it's it's not just a trend that's going to go away. Uh, for a long time, we had seen C-level employees from major companies in the Northeast and out West um, relocate to six months in a day in the Southeast area. And they were able to do so because they could essentially commute. Uh, the rest of the employees had to be in an office and work. And now with this huge movement to work and live and play in a place that I love. Uh, we believe that with that shift of people saying, you know what, if I'm going to have quality of life and I want everything, but also want to continue with my job, I want it to be anywhere. Yeah. And here we're really seeing it. I mean, we're now seeing major private equity firms, major organizations moving into the Palm Beach, uh, Miami and Broward areas. We saw um, it, the owner of the related group out of New York purchase four a office buildings in Palm Beach. And now that's his belief. And to us, I'm like, OK, well, that says a lot. If you're yeah. four a buildings in Palm Beach, seeing the growth and the potential for there. So we don't think it's a trend. We think the Southeast Florida and the Florida market in general is just uh, starting to see its new economic boom. And we're going to be on the upside of that. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, and this next question is for you, too, as president elect of Florida Realtors. Um, you know, we have some critical programs at Florida Realtors. And I, I know one that's going strong is the Tech Helpline, and that's not just for Florida real estate professionals. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that and um, what are some of the states signed up for the service and what, since this is nationwide, I, I, you know, what can people get out of that? No, it's actually one of our, I think our best, no longer hidden gems of, uh, <laughs> it, it really went on uh, on a boom during the uh, downturn, during the pandemic, but we actually serve, oh, it's a state level member benefit in over 17 states. Okay. And so we serve about 650,000 realtors, which is almost half of our membership in, in between the U.S. and Canada. And what's most amazing is one, it's full service in English and in Spanish. There's no cap on how many calls you can have or your length. And the most incredible part is it's tech helpline. It's not limited to just tech that Florida Realtors has. If you're looking to purchase a new phone, you will have an issue on your computer. If you had it, we became our tech helpline became um, experts in Zoom, how to turn your camera on how to set up a background. And so it really is the go-to. You need your own personal, I mean, instead of going to the geek, what is it, the geek desk or whatever, you call your tech helpline and it's unlimited. And I think it's really the best, one of the best products that we offer our yeah. members. Yeah, it's a great service. Um, and I, I'm going to move away from that a little bit and talk about some of the things that you're doing. Um, and I'm going to go to Joanna about this. Um, so I know the leadership team has been very active in protecting the rights of property owners as well as Realtor members. And I understand that Florida Realtors is joining the Georgia Association and the Alabama Association, um, two housing providers and, a, and their property management companies, and filing a lawsuit in defense of the mom and pop property owners who have been um, adversely impacted by the eviction and foreclosure moratoriums. So tell me a little bit about that and the importance of that. 
So since the uh, issuance of the original moratorium back in September, um, obviously we've had a lot of members contact us with questions about how that moratorium impacts them. Um, There have been probably 10 major lawsuits across the country um, in various jurisdictions about this moratorium, and courts have been very different in how they've ruled. So we've watched those very carefully, trying to help members understand how those rulings impact them. We have joined uh, Georgia and Alabama in the sense that we now have filed a lawsuit because we felt it was very important to help them understand how it impacts our members here in Florida. Um, We've joined them in the sense that we have, as a part of our lawsuit, reasserted a number of the same arguments that you've seen in those lawsuits um, regarding the uh, perhaps the uh, scope of the authority of this moratorium, um, whether or not the CDC um, um, overstepped that authority. We believe they have. Um, But our lawsuit is a bit unique. Uh, We raise a question that we received routinely from our members that none of the other lawsuits had addressed. And that was how this moratorium impacts expired leases. So the moratorium is clear that it addresses the non-payment of rent and that it is not intended to address other legal aspects of the relationship between the landlord and the tenant. Well, one of those very important legal aspects is the term of the lease. So what happens when a 12-month lease is now in month 15 or 16 and landlords are afraid to assert their rights under the term of the lease because of the very stiff penalties associated with violating the moratorium. So we felt it was very important Um, to assert that on behalf of our members and private property owners who need to answer that question. In an ideal world, a citizen could call up the CDC and say, you know, does this apply to me? Right. But that's not how it works. And many of these landlords are not in a position to assert that because they've been paying mortgages on properties without collecting rent. So we wanted to raise that question. And our lawsuit is very unique in that respect. Yeah, it's very it's very interesting. And I didn't even honestly think of that aspect of it. And it makes a lot of sense. Um, yes. Definitely. Because everything you read, no one ever brings up the, the lease expiration. So, so yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how that all plays out. So I know another really important um, thing that you're working on, and this is for Margie, um, the Florida Department of State gave initial approval to a uh, constitutional amendment proposal, which will be overseen by a political committee known as Floridians for Housing, and it's backed by Florida Realtors. So if approved by Florida voters, it will guarantee that money flowing into the state's affordable housing trust funds be used exclusively for affordable housing. Seems obvious. So (laughs) tell me a little bit about Florida Realtors' roles. Um, and your goals with with this. Sure thing. This is a historic initiative that is 30 years in the making. In 1992, the state legislature raised the amount of money that they charged for documentary stamps when a real estate transaction closed. And in doing so, there was an understanding and an agreement that a very specific portion of that documentary stamps that comes from the real estate transaction, not just general revenue, but just the real estate transaction, would be committed to affordable housing programs. Unfortunately, the legislature legislature did not hold up their end of the deal. And over the last 29 years, they have swept $2.6 billion and diverted that money to other programs to fund the state of Florida. And for 29 years, the realtors have consistently gone to our state capital and advocated 
for housing funds to be used for housing. And year after year, we've edged away at some of the resistance. We've had good years. We've had bad years. And then we had a historical accomplishment in 2020 where the legislature finally fully funded what we call the housing trust funds. And for the first time, housing funds would be solely used for housing. And this is not the typical kind of affordable housing you think about. 65% of these programs go to down payment assistance. They go to seniors aging in place. They go to sometimes homelessness protection to make sure that the American dream is alive and well. 35% goes to development of affordable housing for low-income individuals and families. Tracy, this is the future of Florida that we're talking about. And the realtors decided in 2021, when unfortunately the legislature voted to permanently divert 50% of those funds to other purposes, that it was time to ask the voters, do you want to use housing funds for housing? And it seems that the initial reaction is absolutely. Yeah, it seems like that would be an obvious yes answer. (laughs) And I want to get Christina's take on this from a brokerage level and what it could mean for um, some of the things that your agents are able to help, you know, homeowners or potential homeowners. Absolutely. And I think from a from a brokerage level, anytime we can back private property rights at a state level, it's I think, again, we talk about tech helpline. I mean, if you want to get into advocacy and what the what Florida Realtors and the voice for Florida Real Estate really is, I think as a broker, one of our biggest values is being able to have this type of uh, force in Tallahassee and to really promote private properties. When it comes to um, home uh, affordability and the home funds going to housing, uh, there's a couple stories. I mean, we've heard many of these companies moving into this area. While we've said the C-level employees can certainly afford many of our housing, especially in some of our more expensive part of the states, many of their um, their actual workers need assistance for down payment assistance. And these are just everyday people who are working in the job. And I think what we're seeing is the, ne- the need for more down payment assistance is greater and greater. And the move towards um, Florida as home rises increase, the the need is just going to raise an even more. And it's not necessarily about how many, it's not about how many deals we'll do through this. It's about supporting the economy of Florida. And we know that when we sell more properties, when two properties are sold, one job is created. When, you know, people who live in homes have have lower divorce rates, have higher education rates. And that's really what what the brokerages are aligning with is, is the support of the Florida economy and keeping those housing funds in order to maintain that growth of Florida economy. Okay, great. Um, And Margie, from your perspective, um, it it seems to me that something like this is Florida setting the example for the nation um, to get some of the, you know, to solve the affordable housing problem. (laughs) Um, So what are your thoughts on that? Well, and you'll use the word problem. I'll use the word crisis. Mm -hmm. And this is not a Florida problem. Housing affordability is in crisis across this country. And what's a little shocking to me is that as we're coming out of pandemic, a decision like this was made made legislatively. The timing just does not, it just does not make any sense. And when I talk to my colleagues across the country, they have the same crisis in affordability. And I literally just had a conversation with one of my colleagues out West who said, no, we have that exact same problem. And they looked at me and said, I'm not even sure we ever contemplated a constitutional amendment. And they asked what the triggering was. And the answer is when the legislature decided to make the change permanently. Yeah. It's just simply it's too important for the future of housing and the future of home ownership in this country for us not to take a serious look at the crisis of affordability of housing and make sure that not just our low income families, but our working families, our first responders. When we all think about coming out of this pandemic, who are our heroes? They are our 
teachers. They are our firefighters. They are policemen who all went out there and put themselves at risk to get us through this. Well, let's remember that they're the ones driving the economy along with the real estate market and let's do the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Joanna, I want to go to you um, about the NAR code of ethics, um, because I know they made some changes um, in, in the uh, last year. So tell me about those changes and how you view the importance of the code to realtor members. Yeah, the code is more important than ever before. Um, the changes that they made this past fall are, are critical to the industry. Um, you know, we talk a lot about speech um, being at the heart of those changes, but really what's at the heart of those changes is the Fair Housing Act. Um, the Fair Housing Act deals not just with saying yes or no to someone being provided housing, but also providing professional services. And that's obviously what we're here to do as realtors. And so um, when, you know, talking about the speech, when you see certain aspects of speech um, online or wherever it may be read, um, what we we want to always be sure that we do is send the message that realtors are here to provide professional services equally to people without regard to their protected class status. That's what Article 10 is all about. And so that's why the code is more important than ever before. And so that is what really drove this last change. Um, it's not about mean speech, right? Um, speech that might not come off um, nice. Um, it's about speech that denigrates or shows hostility to a protected class. And so, yes, NAR did change the code. Um, there's a standard of practice 10-5 that deals with um, hate speech. They sent a very strong message that that is not acceptable within the real estate industry. And so boards right now are going through the process of learning how to apply that um, to the members. Um, and uh, that's a lot of what people talk about. But one of the parts of the change that... Um, um, I don't think people talk enough about is the expanded definition of public trust. Um, so that's a major part of what NER changed this past fall that I think we should focus on. Sending the message that as an industry, we want an even um, more broad, expansive definition of public trust. Um, you know, saying that it's not just um, public trust to uh, willful, a violation of public trust to willfully discriminate, but just to discriminate in general. Um, it's not just um, a violation of public trust to commit fraud where there's economic harm. It's a violation of public trust to commit fraud, right? So uh, those are two aspects of the changes that they made this fall that we think that we think uh, are very important to this industry. Yeah, it's interesting. Has it has it been controversial in Florida? And I, I know it's been a you know I've heard a lot of varied feedback throughout the country. Um, but do you get members calling you about it on the legal hotline? Or yeah, um, I think sometimes we we do get calls. Um, I would say for me, I get calls mostly from the boards because they want to make sure that they are balancing the due process rights of the members. So a lot of the calls that I get deal with just the professional standards process and making sure that boards understand it's not just about being mean. It's about violating public trust and violating um, the code of ethics. And so that's what I deal with mostly. Yeah, I think the confusion or the um, controversy comes over the the misunderstanding of what it actually means. So it's good to get some of that out there. So thank you. I yes, appreciate that. Absolutely.
Well, and Tracy, if I can, the National Association of Realtors has done an amazing job putting out tools and resources for all members as well as all local associations who have to implement these changes to make sure that if people have questions, you can see in black and white what the rules are and how they're interpreted and how they should be applied. Juana, I think one of my favorite examples of the confusion around this was one of our leaders um, calling and saying, I'm going to file a complaint and I've just had an interaction with a realtor at a CVS because they weren't wearing a mask. Yes. And they got into a screaming match for not wearing a mask. And there was no hate speech involved with the exception of how dare you come into this drugstore without wearing a mask and you know, not downplaying the seriousness of the pandemic. But it's that kind of confusion that our members are at least paying attention. And it was the opportunity for us to educate the member to say that's not hate speech. However, if you are the one not wearing a mask, we highly encourage you to wear a mask because that is what the CDC guidelines say. <laughs> you know, so, right. <laughs> I, I think it, it what it really did, uh, as well as elevate uh, the professionalism and, and, you know, we look at where is NAR headed and where are the boards headed in the future. Uh, NAR and, and Florida Realtors in general, we all continue to look at how do we keep the realtors the focus and how do we keep a professional view of realtors? How do we continue to elevate the view of realtors in the public minds? How do we continue to elevate the professionalism and make sure that we are um, relevant and and professional? And I and I really think while those calls that Margie just described are are, are funny, it's getting everyone to think think about how we act everywhere we go and that that realtor R is with us wherever we are. And hopefully it gives everyone kind of a pause. And in this and during the pandemic and throughout that time when it was very contentious, I hope that it gave everyone a pause to just be kind and just slow down and whatever it was that you were going to say, maybe, maybe, you know, hold back and give it a second thought. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but for for better, it really is to make our professionalism a, a step above and to continue to grow us in front of the public. In, in that sense. Great. Yeah, definitely. And um, this one, I'm going to probably have a couple of you comment. So um, going forward, you know, tell me a little bit about some of the goals of the association. And then also from a national perspective, what, um, how do you as a state expect to have an impact on realtors nationwide and, um, you know, property owners outside of the state? And I don't know, Margie, do you want to start with that? So in 2021, President Cheryl Lambert, who couldn't be with us today, she adopted a theme where she asked the membership to dare to dream with her. And in doing so, she asked them to work with her to inspire consumers with regard to the real estate industry, to encourage our members to live at the highest possible behavior of professionalism and to innovate in the most incredible availability of technology. And as we entered 2021 in the throes of a hundred year pandemic, and unfortunately, January was not a good time in this country and it was not a good time in Florida. And a lot of people were pretty much homebound and sitting there. We found ways to innovate with our members through this online world. And I know people are a little bit, they're coming out of it and they're done with online. At the same time, if you had asked me two years ago, if I could have taken two Latin American countries and had an inbound global trade mission online in two different languages, I would have said, I think you have the wrong person. <laughs> Instead, through the ability to innovate with this modern technology, it was just simply a willingness to learn. 
And that's how we reached all these members. So I'm excited about the fact that the members were willing to dare to dream with us. And I know that Christina has some incredible goals going forward as to the folks coming up behind her. And I think nationally, we all face the same challenges and collectively. And that's one of the things the National Association gives us is an opportunity to collaborate to find really good solutions. Yeah. And do you want to weigh in on that? Yeah. I, I mean, I think if you asked us what our goals were a couple of years ago, they probably would be very different than where they are today. I think um, even for brokerages, um, same to our associations, it's how do we continue to engage at this level and how do we continue to show our value back to our members? Right. And as an association, that's our goal is to give value back to the members and then to get the members uh, to have that value for their for their um, their consumers. And so I think one of the goals and we always talk about this for us, obviously, is going to be the housing funds. Uh, for housing. And that's going to be our forefront of our goals. But many of our RPAC and advocacy um, goals remain intact. Uh, and we saw the power of RPAC back when we were named essential and able to practice in the state of Florida. So there's a lot of things that we're, we'll continue to work on, obviously, housing funds being most important. But really, how do we combine the right tools, the right technology and the right education to continue to grow our, our realtors? And um, I want to I want to continue with you, Christina, because, um, you know, when it comes to running a, a real estate broker, firm. I want to talk to you more about opportunities and what keeps you up at night, because I think brokers around the nation are feeling the same thing as you are. So talk to me a little bit about where you see the next opportunities and, um, you know, what keeps you up at night. So everyone is kind of feeling the same thing. It's all save now, save now. Where is this going? (laughs) (laughs) Let's just save, don't spend. Um, But at the same time, we're seeing a couple different trends. One being there's some smaller brokerages that went through the pandemic that while they may have been able to make money, may have started to evaluate where they really want to be. And now that they're really making money, they're saying, wait a minute, could I sell uh, at some of the best times? So we're seeing a lot of opportunities for mergers and acquisitions, whether it's somebody who did really well and are seeing the best numbers they've ever seen, or somebody who's saying, you know what, after all that, I just want to go back and sell. I don't feel like managing. So there's a lot of opportunity for mergers and acquisitions um, from very small boutiques to some larger um, firms. And I think that trend will continue as as small companies and as companies look for additional support. Uh, As we move into this idea of the agents and our associates looking for this one-stop shop. Mm -hmm. They want all the support, all the tools and technology so they can go out and do what they do best, which is get in front of the customer and sell. And so the more support you can offer on the back end, the easier you can do that for your agents, the better value proposition you have. And I think every major real estate company right now is is a race to how to get to the easy button, right? How do I make that easy button for my realtors? And how do I make this... not just the full service and sense of title, mortgage, property management, and and insurance, as brokerages have seen. That's that's really where um, our money is starting to come from. But really, how do you tie that together from start to beginning for the consumer and to stay with that consumer from start to finish through their next housing cycle? So from bringing the customer into your database uh, to servicing them through with family of services and your core services to continuing the conversation after. And every piece of technology we're seeing that's coming out of there, coming out is, is helping with checklists and tasks and guidelines in order to better manage your transactions and 
again, getting the agent out there. Technology is a tool, but I think right now what everybody's looking is how does that tool best, um, best work for my agent? And so I, for me, it's how do we continue to engage realtors in this new normal? What does brick and mortar look like? Do we need to keep downsizing? It is it the cafe model, something we've been struggling with for a while, but um, continue to move in, in the direction of making sure we have the locations, but also realizing we may not need as much space, but also making sure you don't lose that personal touch. I mean, we're a family owned business. And I think what a lot of people love is being able to connect personally with my father and myself. And, and as you grow, that gets uh, tougher and tougher to do. So we write, I write anniversary cards um, to every single one of our associates and he writes birthday cards. Um, but I, you know, we have to start to think beyond that and how do we get out in front of them? Yeah. So a couple of big things that we'll see and, you know, continue to, to see how the markets move. Yeah. Yeah. And I know um, Steve Murray, he said that business valuations are at an all-time high. And I think he said he's got like 20, 25 companies for yeah. sale right now, which is really high. Absolutely. So, yeah. No, and everyone is seeing, <laughs> yeah. seeing the money. It's just a matter of who's <laughs> going to take it. Yeah. Uh, and it's, and it will see, I think that's that continued consolidation. We're yeah. seeing the consolidation in the real estate world. Um, we see it in the MLS world. We see it in the local association world and we're seeing it in the tech world, yeah. right? As, as companies are buying tech companies and yeah. consolidating that. So continued consolidation will occur. Yeah. Um, so, Marky, what's next for Florida Realtors? So I think Christina put it perfectly when she said to make sure that the members have the right tools, the right technology and the right education. And that's right now. And we are emerging from the pandemic. We're also looking at the end of the uh eviction moratorium, as well as a lot of other things that are going to all happen simultaneously. And we need to make sure as an association, we are there to respond, but also be in front of all of the needs of our members as we do this. And there's a general theme that the members continue to communicate with us, especially the ones who are successful. And that is, you have to help us make this business more professional. And that is one of the things we have to, it's also just messaging and making sure they know about the opportunities there for whether it's education or a seminar to to make sure that they understand there's a way to help improve your business, but also to Juana's point and to Christina's point, there are times in a transaction where you just have to go back to basics and remember that kindness matters. And, you know, there are times I used to train a lot of realtors and I used to always start off conversations saying, you know, what's the worst what's the situation you ever had with another realtor? And they would say, well, I called and I told them how unacceptable their behavior was. And I probably used some foul language and then I hung up on them. <laughs> and and I, I'm telling you, every class would start out with one of those stories. And I would look at a hundred of them and say, okay, rule number one, if there's anything you can do during your day, do not hang up on someone. <laughs> I mean, truly, and it's, yeah. it can just be that basic. So the future of Florida Realtors is strong, as is the national industry. And there is so much value in the Realtor R and being a Realtor member. And people forget that, look, they hold themselves to a higher standards and they have so much to be proud of. So we look forward to continuing advocating for them, being there for them and making sure they have the right tools, the right products and the right services to keep them successful. Great. Well, Juana, Margie, Christina, it has been a pleasure interviewing you all today. Um, thanks for joining the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing HousingWire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Alcina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more.
Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and we'll catch everyone back here again tomorrow. Tomorrow.